Uh, let me, while I have a moment, read a very brief letter from Sierra Leone I shared with the guys downstairs. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Mike Pepper, who uh, again surrendered to go to the mission, to open a new mission field when he was 78 years old. Uh, you're never too old to serve the Lord. Amen. Um, so in the process of building three more church buildings, it says, the paramount chief of the Port Loco district of Sierra Leone has been inviting us to start a church in his village, even though he is a Muslim. He has been observing what has been taking place in uh, the Morica section of his chiefdom. Our four churches located in that section have been faithfully communicating the gospel through the, throughout the region. Alfred, the pastor overseeing the ministry in Morocco, Morica, I got to say that right, um, when, went to the chief's village a Sunday, the last Sunday of April, and began holding services. On that day, there were 112 adults present and 72 accepted Christ as their Savior. Last week, the chief gave us an acre of land in which to construct a new church building. Uh, and we have already had one of our churches respond uh, to the need, and we are very grateful. Please, please pray that this new church and that the chief would come to know Christ. And we have just purchased two more acres of land, um, which gives us a total of four acres in another area of, the, of that uh, chiefdom, um, and are in the process of building three more churches uh, and a new school building. So please keep that in prayer. Thank you for your prayers so much in Christ, Mike and Diane Pepper. I just wanted to share that because what a testimony when we hear of all these awful things that go on between Christians and Muslims. Well, when God's Holy Spirit moves, here is the Muslim chieftain who is in charge of a whole region, has seen several churches in his region started and wanted them to come and start a church in his hometown uh, because of the testimony. And when God's Holy Spirit starts doing stuff, uh, it just gets a hold of people. So they're praying that that chief would uh, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. But uh, an amazing testimony just to, to know that uh, don't ever think that there are people who because of their belief system or what they identify with or the, their affiliations, that they are unreachable in Christ. You continue to live your life the way God wants to, to be the testimony you need to, and you wouldn't believe how God can move. Amen. So uh, just a, an encouragement. And um, Dan will tell you because he's got fingers all over the world through global media outreach, how that part of Africa is really on fire. The Holy Spirit is just moving in great ways there. There's great persecution that comes along with it. But how many times have we said God throughout history, when people are persecuted for their faith, the spirit tends to move even uh, heavier in that area. So uh, we wonder why in America we're so wishy-washy. It's because we've gotten complacent and we don't get persecuted much for our faith. But when those will stand up like a, a Daniel or a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or someone else and declare their faith and God moves in a mighty way, it impacts those of us. Uh, how many times now studying in Daniel when either Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood and represented God and God moved that the king wrote to all the provinces, all the people, all the language as a testimony of what God has done. Okay, never forget, when you stand up for your faith, it will have an impact, even if you don't necessarily see it. Amen? So I gave you all that time to get to Matthew chapter 5, right? All right, I hope you made it there. Uh, I am there too. So, All right, so we're continuing to look at the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Okay, Jesus Christ has come, Matthew has presented him as the awaited king of the Jews that have come to... Uh, establish and set up the physical kingdom on this planet on the throne of david okay matthew that's matthew's focus matthew has been presenting him that way jesus steps up and as matthew was recording this sermon on the mount probably the most famous passage across christendom um, that people understand or uh, relate to and uh, jesus is giving us some insights saying listen um i didn't come to destroy the law 
I came to fulfill it. I came to complete it. And he says, well, you guys are living your life right down the line, checking off all the little boxes to make sure you don't violate the, the law, you scribes and Pharisees, and you think you're righteous because you're crossing every T and dotting every I. But Jesus says to the crowd, if your righteousness doesn't exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, you're never going to see that kingdom of, God, of heaven. So Jesus is going and saying their righteousness isn't pulling off because they're missing the spirit of the law. Okay, and the spirit of the law isn't you religiously hold to rules, that it comes from the inside. And God makes a difference within you and then your outside response to that. And there are churches across America, there are churches, there may be somebody sitting in this auditorium today who you have forced your exterior to look all Christian-y, but God's really not done much in your heart. And what's interesting is I find so, so often that there be people who have been attending church for 20, 30 years, and they're the same person they were 20 or 30 years ago, doing the same thing, living the same life, and we wonder, is God actually making any, core, any sort of change within? Well, by golly, if the church doors are open, I'm sitting in those pews. Well, that's great, but if God's not doing anything in you, When's the last time God moved in you? Some people say, well, I got saved back in 1970, blah, blah, blah. That's the last time God moved in your heart in 1970, blah, blah, blah? Or is God making a change in your life on a daily basis? And that's what we're talking about. Jesus is, so let's go ahead and do a review or two. Remember, a God is more interested. Man, if you haven't memorized this yet, I'm going to beat it into your brain. Okay, God is more interested in you being who he wants you to be rather than doing what he wants you to do. Okay, the scribes and the Pharisees were famous at doing what they were supposed to be doing, but they weren't being the kind of people that God wanted them to be. And there are churches full of Christians, quote-unquote, today, who are doing what they're supposed to do, but they are not being who they are supposed to be. And God is so much more interested in that. And remember, we talked about that verse in, in Romans 12 too, right? Be not conformed to this world don't just put yourself in a little box that checks off all the answers but be transformed by the renewing of your mind he doesn't want just you to check off a couple of boxes and fit into a little picture he wants you to be changed within okay and that is the goal what an amazing thing and it's a sacrifice all right the teaching christians can now live and i want to put that important uh you guys can quote this one with me without faith it is impossible to please god so as a christian you now are able to please god if you are an unbeliever and you haven't accepted jesus christ as your savior you cannot please him because without faith it is impossible to please him if you haven't put your life in the hands of your of the savior and exchanged your sin for his righteousness you can't please god and there are churches across this world right now full of people who are trying by meeting a couple of thou shalt nots, thinking they're pleasing God. And God says, you've got to be changed from the inside out. I don't want you to just act a certain way. I want you to be a certain person. Okay? That is it. The law, the spirit of the law changes us from the inside out. Keep going. So Jesus continues his Sermon on the Mount, accept your righteousness, shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, and reminding us righteousness is not achieved by keeping the law. And we've mentioned this several times, we'll continue to mention it, just take the Ten Commandments, you and I can't keep just those, let alone all the rest of the commandments he gives us. The law was put there to remind us that we fall short of what God wants for us, that we need something more. Okay, now keep going. All right, so. Oh, I wrote this verse down up there. Forgot it was up there by the review. Okay, and again, this is becoming one of my favorite verses in the scripture. Because you know what? I'm a screw up. I'm still a sinner. I'd love to not be. I'd love to get victory over the things in my flesh, but it doesn't always happen. But I love the fact that at salvation... He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we could become the righteousness of God in him. You can't 
keep the law to get righteousness. But Jesus Christ allows me to exchange my sin because of his blood sacrifice. And he puts upon me his righteousness. Man, that's awesome. All right, keep going. So he uses six illustrations here in this Sermon on the Mount. We've already looked at killing, adultery, and divorce. Okay, killing wasn't just about taking a life. It meant if you continue to feel that you are superior to someone else. Jesus says the letter of the law is as long as you don't stop that person's heart from beating, you're all set. And Jesus says, wait a second. It's not just about that. It's not just you grab me. Okay. He said, if you hate your brother, if you consider yourself more superior to your brother, if you at all think you're better than anybody else, that's the spirit of this law. We're all sinners in the eyes of God and need a savior. Every single person that walks this earth. There is only one who is above us, and that is Christ. That was the teaching Jesus went to. Then he said adultery. He said, you know, you Pharisees think just because you never touched another woman to do anything with her that you're all set. You're righteous because, and Jesus says, "Mm -mm. if you've ever looked on a woman and lusted after her, you violate it. As a matter of fact, if you let uncontrolled lust rule your life, not only sexual lust, but any kind of lust, Okay, temptations are there. What do you do with them? Do you do what the Lord Jesus Christ did? Do you flee from, do you resist them? Do you uh, apply God's word to your life so that you can not fall into those areas? Jesus said it's not just about just not physically having a sexual relationship with someone when you're married. It is about your ability to resist the temptations in this world and the lusts that come with it. Jesus says it's not just the letter of the law, guys. You might not have ever touched another woman, but you certainly are not keeping the spirit of this commandment. Then he says divorce, and we looked at that last week, and what a precious picture that is. That uh, it's not just about saying, for any cause, if my wife has done something I don't like, okay, and now stop it. Some of you guys are already smiling. Yeah, <laughs> I got a list here that my wife has done. Uh, you know, that was what we talked about, that the Pharisees could divorce their wife for any reason. And God says, oh, no, you don't. There is only one reason that divorce is acceptable. And that is when someone has been unfaithful through fornication or adultery. Okay? Yet, we looked at God's picture in Hosea. And God's picture to Hosea was, you're going to take a prostitute, marry her, And you are going to supply her needs and love her even though she's a sinner who is violating the one area that divorce is legal. Because our God looks at a schlub like me and knows I'm still going to mess up, but is never going to turn his back on me. Because God hates divorce. Jesus says, listen, it's not just that you're to the letter of what divorce says. You're not understanding the picture of the love of God. That no matter how bad your spouse is, the marriage commitment is such a sacred thing because it pictures the fact that when God makes a commitment, he never breaks it. Now, I told you all that to get to this one. Okay, because it builds on these. So let's, if you would, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 33. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old times, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thy oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be, yea, yea, nay, nay, whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So he says, I told you all this to remind you that I have made a commitment and I don't break my commitments. I love Titus chapter 1 verse 2. Okay? 
in the, in the hope of eternal life, which God has promised, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. God never lies. He never breaks a promise. So he says, listen, don't commit adultery. Matter of fact, don't even, I hate divorce. Why? Because when I make a commitment and a promise, I keep it. So he says, next point, watch out your swearing. Now, um, this is not, Barb, I've got to make sure I say this right. This is not cussing, right, from down in Georgia. It's not cussing, okay? This is not using foul language. When we see the phrase swearing in the Bible, it means... Uh, well, forgive me if this seems as if I'm taking the Lord's name in vain. I don't want to, but it's uh, important for the illustration. Man, I swear to God. You hear that? It's not using a cuss. It is putting out a swear. I am committed to this, and I'm going to use something in my life to prove how important this statement I'm making is to you. Okay? It is... Uh, calling on something how many of us and i thought i put some illustrations up there right um i think the next one i do on my mother's grave okay by heaven yeah you understand what i'm saying right jesus says okay this was written in the old testament that you don't swear by god okay that, that, that's a commitment. If you swear by God, but don't swear, you know, that's fine. Keep going. A forswear means to commit perjury and oath falsely, meaning you're going to say something, but you don't keep your word. And then again, an oath is to set limits or a promise. Um, this is an important thing, and I want to make the difference here between the two. God tells you that to, if you vow a vow, keep your vow. Okay, which again, but this is more than that. This isn't just me saying, hey, Peter, man, I'm going to make sure the dumpster's out there for you, so any of your metal trash you want to bring over, knock yourself out, you know, and tomorrow it's gone, you know, breaking a promise that way, breaking a vow. This is saying, Peter, I swear as I soul liveth, it's going to be there. Okay, there's a difference. Vowing a vow, you keep your vow, but you ought not to have to call upon some higher or more important uh, aspect of your life to prove that you are being honest. Okay, and that's what this is going to come down to. Uh, we'll boil it down to. If you need to, all right, I bought a truck this week for my wife. A cute little truck. And this was great. Uh, I try to do this without making it painfully long. But um, so we had communicated. It is where my daughter is down in Massachusetts, and she saw the truck. She said, they put it on the side of the road, great price, looks good. I said, contact the guy. I contacted him and said, my daughter will be coming over to give a test drive, and her boyfriend too. So she communicated with him. Long story, she, another guy texted him and said, I'll bring the cash tomorrow. Well, he assumed it was Lydia's boyfriend. So he said, absolutely, done deal. So I texted back and said, all right, so uh, my daughter's going to come look at it. And he goes, uh-oh. He said, I just made a commitment to sell it to this fellow, which I thought was the boyfriend. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I gave my word. And I said, I respect that. I said, because it's a world that we used to live in where a handshake meant something. That if you committed to something, your yay was yay and your nay was nay. So, and we were looking, bummer, because it was such a good deal. Well, come to find out the guy that did show up tried to lowball him, and he said no. So he texted me back and said, well, I gave you my word that I was going to sell it to you. This guy fell through, so it's yours. So we showed up, and, you know, so I was not trying to think this guy was being honest. He was really from the heart showing that. He said, I'm old school. He said, if I make a promise, I'm going to keep my promise. So I literally offered him $500 more than he wanted. He wouldn't take it. And I did it purposely. I told my wife, I just, I wanted to see how the, this guy, if he was really, if he was trying to sell me a, a junker or something, or if he was truly being honest. And I said, listen, I'll give you, you know, this much more. And he goes, no, I made a promise. I made a commitment to that much. And I just stepped back knowing what we were no, talking about here going, father, this is awesome. 
I said, there are still people in this world who honor their name, honor their commitment, want to be represented in this world as somebody who's truthful. While Jesus is saying, you Pharisees, he said, you commit to God in your swears. And you think that as long as, if I swear something to God, I'm truthful. But the rest of the promises you guys are making you're not keeping them. So he said, by God in heaven, I will keep this promise. They were keeping that promise. But any other commitment they were making, they weren't keeping their promise. Their yay was not yay. Yeah, if they invoked the name of God, Jehovah, they would definitely keep that promise. But any other thing that they were saying, they weren't trustworthy. And Jesus said, listen, yeah, in Deuteronomy if you're going to make a vow calling upon God's name, you better keep your promise. But they said, again, check that box. Well, I, if I swore, but I didn't swear on God's name. I swore on my pet puppy's grave. I don't have to keep that promise. Jesus says, you're not getting it, man. You're missing the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law here is if you make a promise, if you commit to something, be truthful, be honest. Don't go back on your word. That is the commitment. I'll tell you what, today, it's hard. Well, not just today, back then. As a matter of fact, keep going. Oh, wait a minute, don't, I didn't even read this. Okay. Uh, people were using the most sacred things to add a surety, right? We talk about this, on my grandma's grave, over my dead body, cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a poker in my, okay, uh, keep going. The Pharisees and the scribe had two types of swearing. They would swear by the name of God, the actual name, which was an irrevocable promise that must have been kept. But they also, by other sacred things in the temple, which was not often kept, yet they considered their sons righteous. As long as, man, I swore by God, Jehovah's name, so I better keep, I gotta keep this promise. But I'll swear by anything else, it doesn't really matter. And Jesus is like... How can you consider yourself a man of your word if you're swearing and not keeping your promises? Keep going. So, number one, it cheapens God's name. How often in this world, and this bugs me, do we hear the phrase, okay, oh my God, Jesus Christ, as God is my witness, I swear to God, we hear all the things all the time, and it means absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, the words don't have a whole lot of meaning anymore. Keep going. It's like crying wolf. Christians can add to the problem not using the words with reverence. Jesus and God are so uh, often used that uh, their words, they're not special. Listen, if we're going to use, and I don't know, just singing those songs this morning... Something as simple as, there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. How much is the name of Jesus worth? Uh, because my Bible said it is a name above all names. If we're going to have that word out there in this world, it better be one of the most precious words we can use. The word G-O-D is a little less, you know, it's so general that when people say swear to God, who knows what they're doing anymore. But especially in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is no name like it. We need to treat it as precious as it is. Keep going. The Pharisees and scribes believed as long as they didn't break the oaths that they swore to God that they were righteous. Well, Jesus came to make sure they understood something different. Keep going. So why do people swear? Now again, not cuss, not use foul language. Why do people swear? Why do you bump into somebody and they'll say, man, on my mother's grave. Try to establish their own authority. Try to double down somewhere so that you'll believe them. Well, why? Because men are sinners. And we've developed a culture of, man, especially nowadays, 
suing people is out of control. Because you can't trust anybody anymore. You know, I, I wrote that. I keep jumping ahead of myself. You know, when somebody says to me, you know, this guy that I was buying the truck from, if he would have come, on, come out and said, listen, I swear on my mother's grave that this is the best truck, and I promise you that it all goes good. I'd start going, okay, wait a second. If you've got to pepper every statement with some extra, you know, forceful, uh, maybe you're not trustworthy. Because you know what? When I say I want to do something, I try my best to make sure that that's what we do. If you're having to add all these extra promises into it, maybe I shouldn't be trusting you. Because if you have to call in God or heaven or Jerusalem or the city or your, your own self or whatever, and you're having to add all this extra bacon to it, then maybe your word isn't worth what I thought it was in the first place. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. Thou shalt swear by his name. Here's two verses to remind us that if you're going to swear by God's name, it better be something serious. Okay? The Bible doesn't say don't swear by his name. He just says, if you're going to do it, you better make sure you understand what this means. Okay, all these people out there, I swear to God, man, we're going to read a verse in a little while that talks about the fact that people will be held accountable by that phrase. Okay, keep going. They also find it need to swear because they don't think people will believe them. More and more I grow older. More and more uh, instances I see of this. The more it confirms generally the people who have to add all these extra promises to it are there because they've pulled it off. How many of you like to show cops? One of us, me, okay, where it's these live things where the police officers pull somebody over and, the, you know, uh, that, kind, that kind of show, right? And, you know, they pull over and, uh, you know, license and registration. You have a warrant, sir? No, I swear to God, I don't have them on my mother's grave. I don't have any warrants. They call it in. He's got five. You know, you have any problem you know, bringing the drug dog out here to the car? No, sir, I swear there's nothing in this car for me to be afraid of. And they pull out a kilo. Okay, it's amazing to me how many times when you see somebody in that situation, they're trying to double down, triple down, they're adding all these extra swears and promises that there's nothing to be there. So. Why? Because people are dishonest. Okay, look at the Psalm 116, verse 11. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Here's the one. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is why Jesus is trying to pin this down. This is why you and I as Christians need to be different. Because in this world where we're so sue happy, Everybody needs a lawyer because nobody can trust what anybody says anymore. And as a matter of fact, we've gotten to the point over the last couple of years where it's uh, fact-check time. Where you could say something that is absolutely 100% factual. But the little disclaimer at the bottom says, ooh, fact-check. What does that do? Make you think that the thing that you just spoke maybe isn't truthful we are in a world that has a problem with being honest and truthful well god says listen you want to be part of my kingdom this sermon on the mount this instruction to people who are going to be serving jesus christ as king you ought to be honest and truthful you ought to be trustworthy you shouldn't have to add a bunch of swears to your oath you ought to be honest okay keep going Hebrews, for men verily swear by greater, by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. People are trying to prove that, hey, that's supposed to be they, that they are being honest and truthful. That's why people go add all these swears upon things. 
Again, just think about it for a second. When somebody says something like, yes, it's true, yes, it's true, on my mother's grave. They're trying to double down because they don't think they can be trusted in what they're saying. Jesus says, that's not the kind of people that reflect my kingdom. Okay, keep going again. Many times when someone swears a lot about something, I told you I was stealing my own thunder. That's when you should take note. It's a sign that he thinks his word isn't good enough. Beware. People start adding all that extra stuff to it. Okay, now again, please, I want to make a difference. This is not vowing a vow. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be to your house on Tuesday. I'm going to help you with that. That's, probably, that. that's not what we're talking about. Because we make commitments to each other all the time. Nothing wrong with making a commitment. The problem is if you start saying, Oh, I promise, well, you know, hell or high water, no matter what happens. That's Why you have to add all that stuff? Because maybe you think that person doesn't trust you. Keep going. Okay. This was Jesus' focus. Truth is truth. So be truthful. Okay? It is not okay to be truthful about some things and not truthful about others. He's looking at the Pharisees and saying, yeah, you swear by God and you're keeping that oath, but any of the other ones you're making these swears about, I promise, oh, by golly, those aren't important to you. And Jesus said, you're missing it. You're missing the spirit of the law. You're thinking you're righteous just because anything you said in God's name you're doing, but you're not being truthful in the others. He said, I'm not catching it, guys. Keep going. Jesus is not saying, do not take an oath or make a promise. Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, there'll be no need to swear an oath. That will all be true. Now, this is an interesting thing, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But remember, in Jesus' first coming, as he is approaching the children of Israel, he's saying, I've come to establish my kingdom. That's what the promise was. Well, we know for a fact, Isaiah talks about the government shall be upon his shoulders and everything, that Jesus never has established that kingdom yet. It's coming someday. There will be a physical kingdom on this earth with Jesus Christ literally sitting on the throne of David in Jerusalem for a thousand years. Okay, that kingdom is still actually coming. And in that kingdom, truth will be paramount. And you will be judged upon truth. Okay, none of this, uh, you know, fake news shenanigans that's going on. You are going to be truthful or you are going to uh, have to deal with a penalty of not being truthful. Well, this is what Jesus is saying. He, I'm the king. I'm your Messiah. I'm here. You can't be going ahead and saying I'll be truthful sometimes but not others. Truth is paramount. Why? Number one, God is truthful. His word is truth. Okay, now I like that. Catch that. Don't miss it. His word is not true. His word is truth. Okay? When you say something is true, you compare it to the truth to see if it's right. His word is truth. Everything else gets compared to this to see if it's truth, uh, true. Okay? His word is absolute truth. He doesn't lie. He doesn't break promises. So he's reminding them, listen, guys, in my kingdom, truth is truth. It is paramount. If you're going to be a member of my kingdom, well, then be truthful, by golly, on your mother's grave. Uh, okay. Keep going. Matthew, here's the passage we were just looking at, right? Matthew 5. Don't swear by things that, you have, that have no influence over you. A person's word is only as good as the person. Did you catch it? He said, listen, you can't even say, you know, by my own body, because you can't change the hair of your head, or, you know, by Jerusalem, by everything that somebody chooses. I, I chose a little earlier to say on my dead puppy's grave, Right? Because what in, the, what in the world is that? Usually somebody picks something that's ultra important to them. God, their mother's grave, their own life. It is something that is higher than them. But in honestly, honesty, not, even if you are telling a lie, what does it have to do with your mother's grave? Is, you can lie till you're blue in the face. Your mother's grave is still your mother's grave. It's not going to change anything. They usually try to pick something that's more powerful than them, but it doesn't change those things at all. There's no effect on them. You can lie all over the place. It's such a silly thing we do. I swear to God. 
And if you're lying, what difference does it make? God's not affected at all. God doesn't go in heaven and go, ow, what in the world was that? And we pick the silliest things, right? Has nothing to do. So King Jesus' words is always true and will always be true. In the kingdom, the coming kingdom, a man's word is what he will be judged by openly. Keep going. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. People just don't trust. When we're walking around in this world today, if we're going to be Christians, true Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians, our word should be our word. Now, I, I... I hesitate to put this in because this isn't necessarily a vow or a promise. But I'm just putting this out there again to you. If uh, I see this, you know, in movies sometimes or somebody will ask you, you know, the guy's on his deathbed. I was watching a, 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 an old Western. I can't remember if it was uh, uh, Gunsmoke or Rawhide or one of those ones. And, you know, the guy's laying in the bed after being shot. And he's like, Billy, Billy, promise me something. And you see sure bill what do you you know don't do that because god expects you to keep your promises so that's why pastor can you can you do me a favor well you need to tell me what the favor is first because yeah would you shoot my husband Well, by golly, he's one of the top ones on my list, so I'm on board with you. Okay? Because, again, if you're going to say, absolutely, whatever you need. Pastor, can you promise me something? What's the promise? What are you asking me? (laughs) Sure, I promise. Oh, no. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. So I've told folks before, don't come to me and say, hey, Pastor, can you make me a promise? (laughs) I'm like, no. You tell me what you want, and we'll decide whether or not this is worth uh, making a commitment to. All right. Will you hike Mount Everest for me? (laughs) All right. We need to be careful with this. Because our yay ought to be yay, and our nay ought to be nay. And I like that. God gives us the ability to say nay. Okay, we, uh, God can, you can say no. Sometimes as Christians, we get this idea that no matter what anybody ever asks us, we ought to say yes. Okay? It's okay to say no. Maybe you say, Pastor, you know, or listen, Brother Bill, could you do me a favor? Or I I need you to help me with something. And Bill says, no, I can't do that. That's okay. (gasps) What kind of terrible Christian is that that can't? It's okay to say no. That's sometimes what happens in our Christian uh, people have been burned because they think Christians are a pushover. And anything you ask of a Christian, they have to do it. I like the fact that God says you can have yay, be yay, but you can also say nay. It's an important factor. Okay? Lying is the norm in this world today. It's a reality. We need to be better than that as God's people. We need to be the kind that even if it has to be signed over in documents in, in triplicate to the lawyer in the court and sealed with uh, blood and all that other kind of stuff, doesn't matter. Our word is our word. Now, I know that's tough, and I know it always doesn't happen that way, but that's what Jesus is asking for. He says, if there's anything that should reflect my people in the spirit of the, what the law is, it should be, you should be truthful, you should be honest which sometimes means saying something that somebody's not necessarily going to like. Like nay, or like sharing the truth of the God's word when it's not popular. Because I'll tell you what, there are a bunch of Christian organizations, churches and the like, that don't want to get a big woke target on their back who'll beat around the bush and not share truth because they're afraid of the repercussions that might be coming from it. Now, you want to know the safe way, guys, in this? Um, I have known several homosexual people in my life 
I had neighbors, I have co-workers, things like that. Great people, we got along wonderfully. Because they were respectful and loving, I was respectful and loving, we were just good, honest, regular folks. But if they ask me what God's Word teaches about homosexuality, I'm going to tell them the truth. Now, I didn't bring out a hammer and beat them down with it every day I saw them. Because God's Word is not a hammer, right? It's a scalpel. It's a two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's a precision instrument. We have to be careful that we're not using God's Word in the wrong way. But it doesn't mean you have to say, oh yeah, God loves everyone. Continue on with your behavior. It's just wonderful. Do whatever you want. Because that's not making your nay, nay. Okay, It's a very fine line we need to walk. I have actually said to people who I've had a discussion with, and this might sound weird, but I'm just going to be honest. I would say, you know, it would be easier just not to say that homosexuality is wrong. Wouldn't that be easier? Everybody, we'd, we'd all get along. and just It'd be easier to just cave and say, oh yeah, that's fine. But I can't do that because that's not what God's word says. It would be really easy to say that unbelievers are not going to hell. Right? Wouldn't it be easy to say, well, all God's children go into heaven? But that's what, not, what God's word says. We need to be honest. And in this world today, we've gotten to the point where Christianity is willing to cave at anything that comes that we might have to say nay. We need to be ready to say nay, to say no, to say, listen, if that's the lifestyle you want to live in, that's fine. We can be great neighbors. But if you're asking me if that's what God wants, I got to tell you, no, that's not. Okay? But on top of that, you can look at my life and I'll tell you there's things that he doesn't want in my life either. That's the point. Remember we got on, to the, to- on the topic of killing and when we begin to think we're better than somebody else, that's where the problem starts. So if somebody has a sexual desire different than mine, I'm not superior to them. They have a sin they need to deal with. I have my sins I need to deal with. None of us are perfect. And the moment we start casting stones at one another is what's happening in this world today, where we're all just fighting and getting angry at each other at the drop of a hat. I have to be careful that I don't pull out people's sins and try to persecute them for it when I've forgotten to look at my own. We all have our struggles. We all have to admit there's things that God does not want to see in us. I've got mine. Others have got theirs. You know what? I'm going to focus on trying to get mine in order before I can, uh, remember that old thing, before you remove the fleck out of your neighbor's eye, make sure you don't ignore the giant beam sticking out of your own. We need to make sure we say nay when it's possible, but not judgmental. Because I'm still a mess too. Keep going. But among faithful believers, we need to learn to trust one another. This is one of those things, especially amongst God's people. We ought to be able to say, they said that, I believe them. Okay, look at this verse. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Hmm. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. You have somebody in, uh, in your life who calls himself a Christian and they say something and you go, hmm, yeah, I, wonder, I bet that's going to happen. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Come on. Thinketh no evil. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. We ought not to think that about God's folk. We ought to be truthful and honest as best we can. The verse goes on. Rejoice us not in iniquity, but rejoice us in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, 
hopeth all things, endureth all things. Say yes and mean it. Say no and mean it. Keep going. Jesus addresses the Pharisees and scribes about this in Matthew chapter 12. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know what Jesus is dealing with? God's not so interested in you doing what he wants you to do. He wants you to be who he wants you to be. Jesus said, you know what comes out of your mouth? What's in your heart. If you're a liar, it's not just on the outside, it's on the inside. Remember, Jesus is trying to emphasize, I don't care about your external behavior if the internal behavior is not what's being changed. God says, you know why you're a liar on the outside? Because you're a liar on the inside. God says, you know, you clean up the inside and get it right. What's on the outside will take care of itself. Keep going. A good man out of the good treasures of its hearth bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, and here's that verse I was talking about, that every idle word that men speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Remember when I said, if somebody says, I swear to God, on my mother's grave, every idle word God says, you better be careful what you swear because some of those things are going to come back and you're going to have to give an account for them. Because Jesus right here says, don't swear by heaven, don't swear by all these things because your yea ought to be nay. Let me try that again. Your yes should be yes and your no should be no. And he says, you know, we're going to have to give an account for these words. All right, keep going. For by thy words shalt thou be justified, and by thy words shalt thou be condemned. Now there's more to this doctrinally teaching, but Jesus is trying to remind us how important of the words that we speak. Okay? Be careful. This is important. All right. Last little bit. Let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever uh, is more than these cometh of evil. If a person needs to say more than yes or no, watch the intent of their heart. Keep going. Our word should be good as any oath. We shouldn't have to add all this extra stuff. If you say yes, by my, by, by heaven, you don't need it. A Christian, a follower of Christ, should just have to say yes. And that's all it takes. Look at, he, uh, look at Ephesians. Wherefore, put away lying, Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. By golly, if there should be truth and truthful people, it should be reflected in God's church. We are members one of another. We are his family. We represent Jesus Christ as our Savior. He is the truth, right? I am the way the truth, and the life. We ought to be representing the Lord Jesus Christ by being truthful. Put away lying. And again, that doesn't necessarily... I, I like. The, did you notice the difference that it talks about us being members of one another, but we ought to be making sure we're truthful to our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Dan's covered this a couple of times when we've gone over this. Our neighbor is anybody who you happen to be around. So yes, it's a reflection of us as God's family, but we're not just truthful with each other. We need to be truthful with our neighbor, right? When the Bible says, love your neighbor, we're talking about anybody who you happen to be around, you ought to be truthful with. So in this world today, and I know it's tough because of the craziness of an information age that denies any possibility of truth, we need to be truthful people. We need to be people of our word. We don't need to add a lot of extra baggage to that, proving how sincere we are. We're sincere because we're children of God. And my Lord speaks truth. So we, as his children, ought to speak truth. So that's what Jesus is punching here on those Pharisees. He's saying, listen, you Pharisees are living at a righteous level, 
But I'm telling you, folks, you ought to live at a higher righteousness level than these Pharisees because they're just taking all the little check marks in the law saying, I've got it covered. And Jesus says, listen, you need to be truthful in all things. Help me, I'll help you. Because I'll tell you in the past, some of you, I've probably made a promise or a vow or something and I haven't kept it. And I'm sorry, because we're all human. But we need to strive that when we say something, that's what we mean. Because we represent our Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, this world is full of people who lie. This room is full of people who lie. We don't like it, Lord, but it's just the sin nature. Father, our hearts are desperately wicked. They want to be selfish, and they want what is best for them, our own hearts. But Father, as believers, as Christians, we're not our own anymore. We're bought with a price. We're supposed to glorify you in our body and in our spirits. They belong to you. And so, Father, you made it real clear that these righteous scribes and Pharisees were promising big promises to God, but the rest of the time they were being dishonest. And that was not someone who reflected you as the king. And so, Father, please, we know in this world today it was refreshing to buy that truck from a man who wanted to keep his word, who made a vow, made a promise, didn't have to add a bunch of stuff. He just said, I'm old school, and if I say something, I mean it. Lord, I thank you for giving me that just before we had to preach this sermon, because what an amazing illustration. And Lord, then we went on and talked about how he and his children and his mother attend church and Lord, it's important in, in their life they live before God that they're honest. And so, Father, I just pray you help us. In this world today, truth is a hard thing. Not only is the truth a hard thing to come by, Father, you know that, but truth is a hard thing to establish because there's so many people who will just deny it. But, Father, one thing is for sure. We have your truth, the Word of God. So, Father, help us to reflect the fact that uh, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and you are our God. Father, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.